extraordinary television picture here. names for God. I'm using this show as a channel to explore my curiosities about mysticism, mythology, spirituality, and psychology. None of this is meant to be dogma, but rather to explore what's true about the mystery in life, about our nature, and about the cosmos that we inhabit and our role within it. So enjoy the show. Friends, welcome back to a deep end podcast episode with myself, Dr. Danielle McGinnis, and my fiance, Rick Alexander. So, today we wanted to explore and circle around the topic of porn and how that shows up in an individual's experience and also in a relational dynamic because we were kind of chatting about it because it shows up. Um, for me, it showed up most primarily in like listening to my clients talk about struggles and communication about it with their partner. And we've had conversations about it. You've talked about it before. So I think we should talk about it and kind of see if we can find patterns underneath it or like psychological dynamics that are happening and just amplify something that I think this topic in particular often sits in this kind of like corner of like shame topics and so like it's talked about as if it needs to be the problem to be solved and when we were talking about it on our walk you were kind of saying how ultimately it is a neutral thing but then I made the comment of you know when we live in a culture where sexuality is so repressed and put into the shadow, this topic starts to become loaded with unconscious energy. And I think if we talk about it, maybe we can just kind of pull apart some of those unconscious threads that are influencing this. Yeah, right. And, you know, I don't think that it is... The, one of the reasons I don't like to scapegoat the thing itself as a problem is because you know, just most basically, if the problem is that, what are you to do about it? If the Mm. problem isn't in you, if it doesn't lie within you and your own ability to relate to intimacy, to being able to nurture yourself, to being able to soothe yourself, if those aren't the problems and porn is the problem, which is like what you see, I think, when you see, you know, like Puritan legislatures trying to get rid of it or something. It's like, Mm. that's not going to happen. And it is scapegoating the darkness onto the symptom rather than the root of it, which is coming from you ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I think that is something that makes depth psychology and Jungian psychology a little bit different per se. Is It's about creating a relationship between the center of consciousness, your ego, and the unconscious. And so if this is... If you are being influenced in any way by some unconscious pattern... I personally think that as an adult, it's your responsibility to create a relationship to that pattern so that you're not being unconsciously, blindly driven with porn in particular, I think by an instinctual pattern. I think there's a lot of instinct. I mean, if we get down into the Jungian world, instinct drives the archetypes, but I think this is a lot of unconscious instinct mm-hmm. driving this this thing. So... Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it is. It's our responsibility to create a relationship with it. And so if you are influenced by this pattern in any way, whether it's you or your partner, I think it is about creating a relationship to what's going on rather than saying what's going on is the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I completely agree. It is obviously instinctually driven, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the problem, again, with trying to I think a lot of times 
the mythos, the religions that are at the bottom of our culture have been hardened and rigidified and essentially presented as a moral teaching, right? And then when those, when that moral teaching comes up against the instinctual drive, it gets completely bulldozed over. It means nothing. Why do you think that is? Because, be, well, I could, we're going to have to rewind a little bit, but I think because we're all in service to something, mm-hmm. right? And whatever that thing is, that dictates our behavior, right? All of our choices that we make, they're in service to something, whether that thing's conscious or not, we're serving something. Now, you can imagine when you have something like uh, a monotheistic religion like God, when you are in service to that thing, the way that you act, that's what morality is. That's like the, the very beginnings of morality. It's like... No, in order to serve this thing, which is bigger than yourself, more than yourself, whatever, it's going to force acts of self-sacrifice in some sense, right? You have mm-hmm. to cur- curtail or curb your behavior in service to whatever it is that you serve. Now, part of it, part of the thing that's really tough with us is that we've had this huge loss of religion, and even the religion we do have, I don't think we're we're connected to its depth, and mm-hmm. so what happens is we get this as a list of rules that doesn't have the deeper why that's connected to the soul. So it's a stereotypical pattern to follow, like a set, of, a subset of rules that becomes like the stereotypical Christian religious pattern. Yes, as opposed to archetypal, right? The stereotype right. is the frozen in time, right? rigid, yeah, just rule, dogma, rule structure, right? Right, and so as time goes on, that starts to evolve. Every archetype and the images along with it and the behaviors that go with it, I mean, every, Heraclitus, going back all the way to Heraclitus, he said that, like, everything's changed, and so archetypal patterns change. And so our cultural God images mm-hmm. must change. Right. And, and this isn't just Christianity, right? Judaism is going through this. Islam's going through this. I mean, there's, this, is ha- this is happening all over, I think, because, because what happens when, when <laughs> reality changes and we don't change with it, right, is then we end up with this like sort of husk of what it used to be. There's so many other factors in this too that we're like kind of breezing over. Mm -hmm. But the point is that your instinctual drive is so much stronger than what you're told to do. Mm. The do's and don'ts. Yeah, so it's it's almost like you have this spiritual teaching Mm -hmm. that like you're connecting to some God image, some value. But then you have this animal side of your psyche system Mm -hmm. that if that is cut off or ignored, it actually creates this kind of violent well in the unconscious and it starts to try to swallow. It it becomes competing perceivably with that spiritual teaching because there's no space for the animal in this current paradigm of spirituality. Right. And I think because I think what happens is like when you look at like an erotic expression of love, that's maybe like the third or fourth most fulfilling kind of love there is. But what happens when it gets pushed to the bottom is it reasserts itself as a taught value. Mm. It forces itself upon you and you and you then seek it thinking that it's the thing you're actually looking for. Mm. Right. And I think that's what happens with us when we try to repress these instinctual drives like Jung says you know they go underground Mm -hmm. but then they reassert themselves and then out and then we end up seeking after them thinking that they have the answer to what we're actually looking for which is the actual fulfillment so it's like our whole sort of map of desire and fulfillment gets skewed when we add these rules on top of it and we don't know what it is that we're in service to and the rules are one-sided Say more about that. Well, I'm just thinking about these rules where it's like, it's really this kind of, I know we've talked about this on one of the deep ends before about this kind of like outer image of this outer God Mm. where it's not really inclusive of the inner experience Mm, that includes the impulses and compulsions that are housed within the human system. And it's like, 
through that lens, it's like, okay, so we look at, let's just use Jesus as an example. And it's like, Jesus is the one that's embodied. I don't have to be embodied. I just look to Jesus as the ideal of embodiment. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this one-sided thing where your embodied experience isn't really a factor here. Mm -hmm. And your embodied experience is an amalgamation of all the complexity of those animal instincts and drives Mm -hmm. and impulses and compulsions and i think the more one-sided you move in your life the more it's the the unconscious is going to pull you back and say like no yeah well and i think to maintain that one-sidedness we split right Right. and so then we have the secular and the religious jesus is what i go do see on sunday christ isn't the thing that's in my bedroom when i'm having sex Right, yes. So we split these things apart as if reality yes. could be split apart. And this, I think, happens in relationship often is, let's just say that we'll use a heteronormative relationship here. Like, let's say a man is not in relationship to his inner feminine, right? And so basically the feminine that splits off inside of him that's unconscious he projects one kind of spiritual ideal image onto his partner and then the unconscious feminine that's split is like this kind of like instinctual temptress inside of his psyche and then it's like okay when he starts to see that his partner his wife isn't the spiritual ideal or she doesn't have that side to her that that temptress has inside of his psyche he'll go off and get a mistress Mm. And maybe he'll go off and get a mistress in Pornhub. Mm. And I think that that plays out so much in relationships where not only are are we splitting where it's like one version of you goes to church and the other version of you participates in these sexual acts. Mm-hmm. I think we're splitting the feminine image as well right. where it's getting projected and it's not even integrated within... Right your personality yeah and so this i think we could add on top of that this is why it's so unhelpful to call it good or bad because if it's bad it has to remain split right right and so like your the the outer edges of your self-identity are tied to what you think is good and bad Mm -hmm. so you your consciousness can't expand as long as you as long as there's these categories that are keeping it from doing so Man, it's, it's, for me, working with something like this, it's like the most important thing to just see what's happening outside of the lens of morality, right? Totally. It's like, if you can just be honest with yourself about like, okay, so I'm projecting this image onto an outer person and I'm seeking the other side of that feminine image through porn. If you can just be honest about that without making it a a value judgment about yourself, Mm -hmm. I I think that's a good start. It has to start there. Otherwise, you're going to be so steeped in shame, that category of bad is going to remain in the shadows and you're going to escape to it every time that you can't stand being in the good. Okay, so the inability to be honest about what's happening there, because I think that's a very prominent pattern. Totally. What's happening there for a lot of people. I think what happens is that shame that people feel because they can't be honest with themselves. I think it is a factor of shame. Yes. So they lie and then project the shame outwards onto their partner and I've seen this so many times about their partner says, hey, I don't like when you do that. But then because that person is so filled with shame about the splitting mm-hmm. and the lack of ability to hold that, that tension of opposites, they make their partner feel bad for calling them out. Yes. And I want to point out that they have to because that's what shame does. Right. Mm-hmm. So like if we talk about guilt being I did something wrong and I know it as in I betrayed my own internal constitution, mm-hmm. that is a good thing. Right. That's the royal road to heaven as far as I'm concerned, because that's Christ speaking up and saying, oh, you betrayed yourself. And mm-hmm. then you realizing where you betrayed yourself gives you the roadmap toward 
the highest sort of sense of yourself, mm-hmm. right? And then we can contrast that with shame. Not I did a bad thing, but I'm the bad thing myself. Mm-hmm. No, it's the lowest possible, and there's been a lot of you know work done on this, but it's the lowest possible sort of feeling imaginable for the human experience. And people will do anything to get out from under it, including project it onto you. Well, I think also to add that kind of a nervous system layer here, talking with shame. And I, I try to educate my clients with this too, because it's really important is like shame, um, kind of like pushes parasympathetic drive onto the system and not the kind that downregulates. It's the kind that like, you're going to act like you're dead. And mm. so it creates this kind of like dead inside type of feeling. Mm, interesting. And, and I think because that shame is associated with a lot of freeze and a lot of shutdown, we do try to avoid those little crevices of activation in our system that would replicate us feeling dead inside. Mm. And so we project it outwards just to feel a sense of aliveness mm. or just to not go into this kind of spiral of, of dorsal vagal shutdown. Mm. Um, so I think that that's really important too. Yeah. And that also lets the partner know what's happening in the person who's feeling the shame. It's like you have to recognize like they have a story about what's going on rationally, but like their body is like preparing for death. Like this mm. shame is like the danger and threat is so immense that I'm going to act like I'm dead. Oh, interesting. So the body is like very, very activated to the point where it can't tolerate a lot. And so if you, if your partner's feeling immense shame and you go at them with more activation and anger and judgment and more shame, you're almost guaranteed to put them into a complete free state. Mm. So you're really not going to get a solid conversation in that place right at all well okay and then we can add another layer onto this which is that your consciousness is self-reflective in nature meaning you're not just looking out you're looking at you also and you're well aware of who you are in the world right and you have a whole map inside of where you are in relation to everything else in the world and so if you see yourself as the thing that's wrong what else can you do but do the thing that's wrong there's no mm-hmm. impetus to reach for higher consciousness. There's no impetus to reach for a higher version of yourself because you're not that, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so, like, you can see how these cycles are so um, negative feedback loops. Yeah, negative feedback loops. How they how they keep us stuck, perpetuating the same like shitty ideas, um, mm-hmm. and it's all unconscious, which makes it even harder to to grapple with. And I think we could. You know, the other thing about saying that it's the wrong thing that you just need to like straighten up and and not do it anymore is it denies the fact that you're actually looking for something you need. Exactly. Right. And so we can get into this idea of right impulse, wrong ritual, Mm -hmm. right impulse being there is I have the impulse to go towards something in me that's been denied. So something I, I like actually need for wholeness, wrong ritual, meaning the way that I'm acting that impulse out is taking me further from myself. I think that that, as I listen to like Marion Woodman talk about addictions, I mean, she doesn't talk about addictions to porn in particular, but you could apply her theory of addiction onto addiction to porn because she talks a lot about the body mm. and the relationship to the body. And I'm like, okay, so if we have split off our matter completely I just believe in the the wisdom of the psyche that even if it shows up in this quote-unquote perverted way, meaning kind of out of alignment of, of what you would truly desire for your essence, I think that that perversion is actually trying to move towards a sense of wholeness, meaning the symptom, like the healing is in the symptom itself. Okay. Meaning like, okay, so if you have just these incredibly powerful impulses and drives to have sexual experiences, it might be this drive to like reconnect with your body, right? Mm -hmm. To get underneath all that shame that makes your body feel dead inside Mm -hmm. and actually bring to life the thing that 
you've cut off. Totally. And I, I don't know. I just I think like again, holding up what is is really important. Mm-hmm. But I think normalizing the shame that comes up with this is really important too. And like I said, I work mostly with partner like women who are struggling with their male partners mm-hmm. that have struggles with this. And I think the biggest thing for me is like trying to have them kind of pull back on projecting more shame. But I think that a big pattern that happens with women is they feel not good enough because their partner's looking outside of the relationship for for sexuality. And I'm like, I don't know if Mm. it's actually that I think it's more about reconnection with the body with the feminine than it does have anything to do with you no yeah it couldn't have less to do with the partner to be honest with you yeah um but the shame I think you're right to look at the shame component because that's what keeps it in the shadows Mm -hmm. right and if we took this pattern and let's just take instincts completely out of it let's take sexuality morality all of it if you are escaping into the dark, into the darkness, meaning it's not into the light of day, meaning other people don't know about it, meaning it's not part of it's your conscious orientation toward the world, it's a secret. If you are just escaping into a secret constantly, you, right? It's going to it's going to do a few things, right? It's going to gain in life force first of all. You're going to sense a splitting between your conscious orientation toward the world and in your the actuality of yourself mm-hmm. right so you're like create and so as we the reason i'm saying this is because the shame keeps it that way mm-hmm. right because it so like if i if i'm struggling with something and i bring it into the light mm-hmm. and then you chastise me for it i go my body everything in me says oh i was right to keep it in the darkness right back exactly. it goes and i stay split exactly yeah so you get i know that jordan peterson has talked about like not punishing your partner for being honest about things oh yeah i think that that's really important where i mean it's definitely challenging each party's capacity in that moment it does and that's why you got to do your own work totally you know and i think it's really important like i don't know just our interactions and our experiences of working through this like the biggest thing i think for me is just holding space that like this is your experience this has nothing to do with me i do think that if we get into the cultural patterns of how the feminine gets objectified i think that there's a lot in that that women tap into Mm -hmm. and women feel Mm -hmm. of almost rage about the experience Mm -hmm. of like to me personally in in the past um because i've experienced objectification before in my life Mm -hmm. and i've experienced a lot of frustration in that i think working with how women are objectified in the porn industry adds a whole other layer to this where maybe the woman isn't even feeling something in herself, but like feeling the rage of like how the feminine's treated culturally mm-hmm. as an object. Um, does that make sense? It does, but I think we have to widen our idea of the feminine here because we're gonna like then we're only talking about like this sort of straight porn thing, right? But I think that we have to understand if we if we can understand that the body is the feminine. Mm-hmm. And that the intellect and the mind is the masculine or the spirit is the masculine. I think that then, mm-hmm. because right, because I think then we're, you're exactly right. We're objectifying matter. We're objectifying yes. the body. Yes. And I think because we live in a world that does that, I mean, we say shit like mind over matter constantly. Like our whole orientation is to do this. Mm-hmm. What happens, I think, is that we grow up with an inability to handle the intimacy of being with another body. And your own. And your own, right. And what this gives you, this objectification gives you is... Control and power. Yeah. You're not vulnerable in the experience of intimacy. That's interesting. This is bringing, I think, going into a really interesting thing where I do think that... 
I mean, it's all wrapped up in like religious things as well. But I think it does have something to do with control, power, and dominance over matter, Mm -hmm. over Mm. earth, over nature. You see it in so many different ways. Yes. Patriarchal, like, you know, just massive expansion of like construction over the like destroy the earth at all costs you see it in you know women getting objectified you see it in the porn industry Mm -hmm. how much money that industry makes Mm. at the cost of a lot of people's intimate sacred nature um yeah i just think it's so prevalent yeah yeah i think so too I'm not sure where to go with that, but I am feeling like there's something there that I'm like having trouble articulating, but I... So I'm wondering though, if if underneath all of that, for me and working with my own control, power, and dominance, the reason why those things would show up for me is because there's a deep fear and control, power, and dominance were um, things that I could feel... Like I was on top of that fear. I didn't have to go into the fear. I didn't have to like work with that fear at all. And I think that there is a deep fear of the kind of like fluctuating chaotic nature of the feminine. Hmm. It's not as linear as the masculine. Totally. And I think there's almost a deep fear of feminine nature and what that implies and I think this yes. control, power, and dominance is like if I can just feel as if I have control over this impulse, like I can log on at this time and I can get control of these impulses. You don't have to go into how much it scares you to stay with that, mm. to like stretch that out and to like really be with an impulse inside of your body. Right, right. Because that can be scary. Right, totally. Right, especially if you've denied it because it gets stronger. Exactly. Right. And and it's interesting because I'm thinking now of like, why do, let's just stick with men, I guess. Uh, yeah, I will stick with men just because it's what I know. But like, why do men then escape so often into this? Like often it's to soothe. Often it's to nurture. Right. So they have, they don't have access to that feminine quality in themselves well i think that says a ton about their own situation or relationships with the feminine which their blueprint is the mother right and let's just say their mother in particular was a person that didn't want kids and so they got their basic needs met but they really didn't get this connected relationship with their body like your relationship with your body whether you're a man woman whatever comes from your relationship with your mother and her connection with her body yes yeah i agree and i think there are that is there are a million scenarios that are exactly like you're describing but i would say even if we look at the good enough mother that is doing the things we're in this culture where there isn't a relationship to the body, to the feminine, to the to the unholy trinity, right? To the shadow, the feminine, and the body, mm-hmm. right? And so, there's going to become a point, especially for men, if our if we are, con- if we are more masculine in our orientation, right? Then there's going to come a point where no matter what, you have to internalize what the mother gave you. You have to right, and I think that the gap that porn floods into. And it floods in right at the time you should be doing it, like 15 years old, mm. right? Right as you're learning to break apart from the mother and learning to do that for yourself or hypothetically when you could be, that's when that flows in and you never have to, which is interesting. So I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing this, but like, I'm wondering like, well, what is the ideal situation for an adolescent boy that is starting to kind of like go out into the world, feel into all of these new sexual impulses. Like it is that separation from the mother at home, interaction with the The world world. as feminine, different females. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what would be the ideal like situation to support that? 
talk See, about it. Yeah, but what's hard is I can remember conversations in my own time where, um, you know, it's so foreign in our world that like I would recoil from the conversation. Like I don't want to fucking talk about this. Like I don't want to talk about jerking off. You know what I mean? Like so that has to be you picking up on the the split within whoever was talking to you about it then don't you think no i think it's the split in society we're born into i think mm-hmm. that's just what what's coming up for me i have no idea but like in part like we are born into a society you know and we are complete like to to think that there's a you apart from your society is naive at best right like everything in your world and tells you what you are you see a chair you know you're the kind of creature that sits like it informs our perception of what kind of creatures we actually are. So to me, it's far bigger <clears throat> than the individual mother and father. I think it's, I think it's our archetypal orientation and movement in the world. Um, but I also wonder if it could be from the beginning more normalized. That this is your body. That you have access to it. Well, yeah. That it, it's going to have impulses. Like, you know, that you could like build a conscious relationship to your own body from a very young age. I think that might be the answer. Well, I'm thinking about like doing know. somatic work with people who have a lot of complex trauma. Like we were talking about this the other day of like some people don't even know like when they're hungry or when they have to go to the bathroom. They don't mm-hmm. even know these like basic impulses oh, how in many their people, body. Like, get to the end of the day like I forgot to eat today. Right. Yeah. And I'm like thinking about like if if a child was raised with like a lot of mirroring around what's that like for you? How do you know that? Like really normalizing sensations and impulses and again like not shaming the child or kids for being half animal because mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. Yep. Yep. I think what's coming up we are for me too though is okay so we're you're that's the ideal by the way and here's the problem is that none of us are there and none no. of us were born into the ideal very rarely you know it'll we're closer to it and perhaps we have better relationships with our sexuality like I have a friend we were talking about porn a while back and he was like oh yeah in December I realized it wasn't good for me and I stopped and I was like what you just stopped like that was it and he's like yeah yeah like cold turkey that was it you didn't go to war with yourself. You didn't like fight yourself for objectifying women after like the whole thing. You Like I went through a whole battle that like as far as I'm concerned is like still raging on to some degree, you know? And, and so I think, yeah, I think that there is a, a, a degree, but I guess what I'm, what I'm wanting to point out is, you know, when you look at someone, let's look at the psychology of Freud, right? This is a depth psychology, but its center, its basis is on the repression of the sexual instinct. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that if that is, the again, if that's the problem, you were born into a society in which you couldn't connect with yourself and never taught you how, what are you to do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it keeps us stuck in our personal past and mm-hmm. our personal problems and for me it's like no but you're you, you and this is where I think it is at least for me like finding like the divine feminine goddess worship things like that can be helpful but you have to reorient your your disposition toward the great mother toward right. mother itself toward matter itself mm-hmm. you know and so I just I, I guess I'm just saying that because I'm like don't get so caught up in your personal story that you think it's a death sentence Mm. because I think that happens so often for people. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always shades of personal and collective that go into this Mm -hmm. obviously, but I think it's like there's, I don't know. The word respect is coming up right now as you're speaking. Um, and I think it's just respecting Maybe not like literal women, that would be a start, but I do think like respecting nature in a general way, like if you're the type of person that just like throws trash out your window and like doesn't think twice about it, like, I don't know, I think that has some ties to all of this respect for the feminine. Um, Yeah, 
I, I would say reverence. Reverence. You know, and the reason I would say reverence is because, again, I don't think the problem is you holding yourself to an arbitrary moral standard. I think the problem that's all the way at the bottom of this is that you don't know what you serve. Because here's the thing. If you love something, and I'm not saying supposed to love it, you know, like you're supposed to love the earth. You're supposed to love. No, no. If you love something, you want that thing around. You protect that thing. You have reverence for that thing. You keep that thing consecrated, sacred, and holy. And so to me, the problem is love. The problem at the bottom is we don't know what we serve. Because if you knew what you served, your expression on this earth would be you wouldn't the word morality wouldn't even matter to you Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so what like really changed things for you in your relationship with this what changed for me um i don't know if you want to fill in the silence as i think here (laughs) trying to think what did what was like the thing for me like let's let okay let it be void yeah i had a sense i was watching i was looking at porn when i was super young um and i had just finished finished <laughs> no and i had a moment this is gonna sound so fucking crazy but i had a moment of feeling like there was a sort of demonic presence in the room and it saying i got you now like I remember feeling hooked in some way, even though I didn't, I couldn't articulate it. I didn't have words for it. I wouldn't even use the word demon or something. Like it just, it just felt like that dark kind of feeling I had hooked into. Okay. So I want to just say that like, there was a knowing for me that I didn't have access to, but it was definitely there because then as I started, as I got like further on and I was like, you know, as I was like, you know, it's so hard. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to like pull too much of my personal like shit into it. But I think that for me, what was it? I mean, I just had the sense that I was doing something that was bringing me away from myself. Well, and then when I wanted to stop, I couldn't. And then that was the thing that was like, fuck, what's happening here? Like it does. I mean, that that's Jung's classic quote of like, you know, when you think you're on top of something, like, it's got you. Like, mm. that, like, you're losing control. Right. Right? right. Um, and I mean, that, that is the, the pattern of, of complex. It makes you perceivably feel as if you're out of control. Yeah. And so you can tell, you can start to ask questions of, like, okay, my curiosity is, like, after you've worked on this matter this Mm -hmm. subject matter for for a long time like if you check back in with that like force does it feel does it feel like it's hung around has it like changed in shape like is like what does it show up as now you know that like i got you now oh you know like is it actually was it just an animal behind a dark force well it's interesting because if i find that feeling then I, then i i can realize that i i have i i think i'm the thing that can be got i don't know who i am i don't know my true identity if i think i'm the thing that can be got which is really what do you mean by that well like shame works because we allow it to name who we are mm-hmm. right because we don't know who we are Otherwise, it couldn't name who we are. You know, darkness works by convincing you that you're not what you are. It's the only, it's the only tool it has. It's the only thing it can do. Because it's a negation of life. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't... It's, so do you feel like that, that was an anti-life force? That I've got you now? Yes. Okay. Right. So it's it, like in Cowshed's work, it was one of those like dis figures. Where it's disconnecting you from your life force right right okay right and i tend i hate to like you i don't hate to i actually love to use words like demons and shit (laughs) but i hate to when we don't have a a psychological understanding of what i'm talking about because i'm not like um well we can think about it as it's an autonomous force in the psyche mm -hmm. that has swallowed the ego complex that's exactly right it swallowed your sense of identity your sense of i your sense of self right and so if that let's say this like disintegrating anti-life force factor 
in the psyche has mm-hmm. swallowed your sense of self it is it is kind of like pulling puppet strings and convincing you that's who you are right right totally and so for me and that's in the part of the reason I hesitate to bring my own personal story into it is because I think we all you know I have a buddy like I said he just was like this isn't good for me and I stopped you know there's a lot like we all have different spiritual orientations toward the world and God and all that shit. But I think that for me, it was the recognition that I'm here on this earth because love decreed it. So Mm. do you know, like that, that's the difference between, and for me, it had to go all the way to the ultimate because that's just my nature. And that's kind of what I mean. Like not all of us need to go there. I don't think like, but, but you know, um, I, I was listening one. T- I, I I was contemplating this idea of, you know, God is love, and you see this in theology everywhere. And we we say that, and we don't realize that what that means is that love is God. But um, I think what happens is what happened for me anyway, is that I realize, you know, uh, I heard a, I heard this contemplative teacher say, you know, if God stopped loving you, you'd stop ceasing to exist that what that you're and that's what i mean by you're here by love's decree in some sense some way i don't that's a mystery of what that really means mm-hmm. but i i was able to feel into that being true and if i'm here because of love's decree so isn't this darkness so isn't all of this mm-hmm. and then i just then my heart kind of started breaking for all of this darkness because i know when i'm in a place of darkness uh it's miserable. I'm folded in on myself. I'm, I'm completely unaware of my own potential and who I could really be in this world. Like it's, it. Well, this brings up a huge point that I think is interesting as we bring up like this kind of like disfigure, this disintegrating thing as Cowshed talks about it. And it's like, I think that that can perpetuate to a certain extent when you're like alone in the world. Like, some it doesn't make any rational sense but like sometimes when you don't have support systems or out, outer relationship that disfigure becomes your sidekick mm-hmm. it like you don't feel as alone because it's there like with you even if it's destroying your life force i know that totally. doesn't make no, rational makes, sense it but actually like, does though because why else are you escaping into it every time you're uncomfortable so it, it does become this kind of quote unquote safe place to land, even if it is disintegrative. Uh-huh. Yet, I think that that comes to a crux when you start to experience intimacy with another person or a group of people, and this disfigure gets upset that now you're leaving it and choosing to be intimate with something else. Right. Oh, interesting. Because I do think that like these dissociative forces, they work, but then people start to realize like, oh my gosh, I am so isolated in my relationships or, oh, I've been in a lot of relationships, but I feel really alone. Like, I think that's the thing that actually starts to break that like identification with the, the disfigure, with the demon. Let's mm. just say that. Um, and I think that's really important because I feel like there have definitely been moments in our relationship where, I don't know, we've had conversations, I feel, I don't know if they were explicitly about this, about maybe feeling like you're not here or I don't feel connected to you or this disconnect that was happening in our relationship. And I just feel like that shows up. A lot of times and I think it creates this mm. it disrupts a habitual identification with the with the anti-life force mm. and it starts you start to ask questions yeah it starts to make it more conscious but I mean it's just like be careful when you're you know in cahoots with a demon because that can really drive you into some unconscious places and like the unconscious isn't just unknown like there are pretty dangerous forces in there like i don't know i it's just really powerful well you know i'm like going back to and then i actually do want to take this out of the mythical to end it but um i would go back to i was listening to a person talk that they owned like a bdsm house like place like Mm -hmm. a um 
I don't know, dungeon. I don't know what it is. But one of the reasons that they... symbolic. Yeah. One of the reasons that they stopped doing it, they were saying, was because they would walk around the rooms and they would look in and they would see these kind of like dark figures in the room also. And it like just freaked them out so badly that they like stopped doing it, which is interesting. Because I think what happens is when we have all of this stuff that exists in the shadows, when that that can't be brought out into the light that is the holding place for these dark energies like whether you personify them as demons or not does i don't think it matters i think what's important to understand is that as long as it's a shadow darkness can exist there there's something i think that there's there's a connection and i and i can't speak to this as if i like really know and it just came to mind uh-huh. but like i do know that in working with people who have trauma and have dissociative symptoms a big part of working with the trauma is restoring the right relationship to aggression and aggression i think is so often talked about pejoratively but aggression is part of your libido part of your life force that drives you towards individuation and split off aggression can become unconscious rage hatred and evil Hmm. and i think that there's when we're talking about these like kind of demons and dark forces, I think that they grasp on to that like aggress- aggression, but then they infuse like a sense of like hatred, but then it becomes self-hatred because they, yes. they like kind of convince you that you, it's the shame thing, right? Yes. But I think a, a lot of stuff there is around like aggression and rage and working with hatred and all the stuff that's got coupled in that, that's gotten all mixed up with your sexuality. But I do think that sexuality has a certain level of aggression to it mm. because it is like very animalistic in nature. And I think that sometimes those things get coupled because they're so closely knitted psychically. Mm. Um, but I think that conversation about aggression is important. Because it's like, okay, so is your aggression being channeled into identification with this dark force or this demon? And then that aggression flips inwards and Mm. starts to destroy you. Or is your aggression being channeled to like expand your life force to be inclusive of the things that you don't know and just expand and refine your personality? I think ultimately in the the most genuine sense, that's what aggression is for. Mm. Um, and I mean, I'm just thinking about people who have experienced sexual trauma too, you know, like one, just an absolute annihilation of boundaries right? and an aggressive force coming at you. Mm. And so there becomes this inability to, to maintain your psychic boundaries with inner aggressive forces mm. because you have been psychically annihilated by an outer aggressive force so i think that there's something in that that's like that's so good very connected yeah yep i think so too um okay so i just wanted to say i think you asked me i went on this like whole spiritual path (laughs) when you asked me what woke me up or what made me want to change it Mm -hmm. um and now I'm remembering, actually, it had nothing to do with spirituality at all. What I think happens is you get an impulse to change and then nothing can be separated, you know? Like, then later I have a spiritual life and that gets on board and then it gets strong, you know? The, so the light grows and it comes mm-hmm. in through the cracks, right? But while I was at a lecture and it had not, it was about fear um, because I had no... Uh, spiritual orientation at this time but he talked about addiction in terms of a narrowing of what excites you and that was the thing where I had this realization of like oh I used I used to have this kind of vibrancy and like like soulful attitude toward life Mm -hmm. right and um and what happens I think with something like an addiction is like your days start to look very similar. It starts to become the thing that you serve. And mm-hmm. it, and as a result, there's a narrowing of what excites you. And every single uh, dude that has been on porn, I'll say, uh, will know this. Like you don't, you don't, you start on page one of Pornhub and you're like, wow, you end on page 175. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like there is, you, you go deeper and deeper because it's a narrowing of what excites you. And as such, the, that you have no, and now here's the other thing when it comes to something like porn as opposed to, I don't know, alcohol or something, you're also giving away your life force mm-hmm. toward it, right? And so, and so like all of, there's no vitality for the rest of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of had that, that realization, I think at some point, and it was, um, it was like, at least for me, a, a realization of like, okay, I thought I was reclaiming some part of myself by being able to look at porn, like the, cause I was so sick of the like dogmatic moral bullshit mm-hmm. that I thought for me, I was like really reclaiming some sense of like, don't tell me what I can fucking do, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And when I started like thinking about the, the sort of um, neurochemistry of it all was actually what for me it started, I started being like, oh man, maybe this thing had, and that's when I was like, oh, maybe I could do it less. And it was like, no, you won't do it less. And I was like, oh no, mm. now we're in it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably the experience of a lot of people who have gotten swept up into this cyclone yeah. of, addiction i mean just call it what it is for some people right and yeah even if it's not an addiction it's a pool mm-hmm. right and i think that no matter if it's porn or not like we have thousands of different ways in which our energy is pulled out of the process of refining the personality yeah totally thousands yep and it's crazy because i will say this too See, I, I'm not the kind of person that's like, I'm over it. <laughs> like, I, it's been a very long time since I've used that to soothe myself. Um, I just, I don't make the mistake of thinking I have my demons, <laughs> you know? Um, well, I'm wondering too, right? Like, there's something about porn in particular that there's an immediacy to it, right? You get on your computer, you click a link, it's there. It's like right at your fingertips, mm-hmm. right? So there's no stretching out the experience at all. Mm-hmm. Like none. So that becomes part of the process, the I think. The experience of drive. The experience of getting to know the demon itself, getting to know your impulses, getting to know a lot of things has to happen when you slow the experience down enough to like catch what's happening. Yes. And I think that porn in particular, the main temptation there is it's like click click get off done the immediacy of the gratification right totally and it's like man if you slow that down and find the edges of that and start to create a capacity in your body to hold what those edge what's within those edges i think that that's like a beautiful starting point but like man i think it has to it's such a slow process well and i think that's where i was going with that is when that happens what you start to gain the ability to do is reroute that urge upward. And this mm-hmm. is, this is you know, in our culture, like I, I hate to bring up things like Tantra because we have what's called Neo-Tantra and it's just like really over-sexualized spirituality that comes from a mix of Tantra kind of, but not really more like Kama Sutra and then also um, this sort of branch of Taoism. I could really uh, <laughs> talk about how screwed up we've made all of that but there's a reason right it's because we've suppressed this in our Mm -hmm. culture and it's coming back with vengeance Mm -hmm. you know everything it it takes its revenge out through compulsion fixation the things you can't avoid Mm -hmm. but all of that to say there is there is something there's something true from the core of it as far as i can tell which is that life force in you right which is like semen, but both men and women have a distillation of life force and sexual energy. Mm-hmm. And you can you you can take that energy instead of projecting it out into the world and giving yourself away, you can reroute it upward. You can actually take that desire and use it toward a whole bunch of things in life, whatever it is, to connect with the ultimate, to build your spirituality. But also not only that, but to just regain a sense of vibrancy and vitality in your life. Because the thing that I, I I guess I could end with this is just that when you're in this and you're giving yourself away constantly, 
you don't realize that your sort of baseline is way lower than it could be as far as life force and vitality because it's always being given away and it's just what you know and it's just how you live but when you start to retain it and you don't and you're not so quick to give it away to the impulse um you have that energy that you can use for other things (laughs) i'm wondering if like there's something connected here with like that theory right and like it is the process of introversion and like letting that kind of amalgamate within within yourself and seeing how you change by that process Mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking about this kind of like really interesting i don't know if it's like i don't think it's tantra per se i think it's just like this like new boom of sexuality that you see on social media about just like it's just everywhere and then like people sharing their sex practices and just opening up and it's like okay so we definitely don't want to demonize that because we're having conversations. But I'm wondering about how much there is in that with that lack of containment where it no longer becomes this sacred experience. It becomes this marketing tactic to sell your sex practice theory or whatever. But to me, that is just the same symptom as porn. It's the same symptom. You pushed it down to the bottom and it reasserted itself at the top. Well, to me, there's like, there's something in this where it's like, if we continue to play into the patriarchal value and we have to sell our sexuality in some way, and this isn't like to knock anybody who is like a sex practitioner or like whatever, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's a way it's done that like, man, when I see it, I'm like, there's nothing sacred about that. There's nothing in me when I see that that tells me that that's a sacred experience. Mm. Um, And I know that that could sound judgmental, but it's just, it's an intuitive thing that I'm like, there's no holding within self. It's all extroverted, like, Mm. I, I don't know. And I think that that is just a symptom of our culture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I don't know if we want to keep going down this road. We're at an hour now, so, but I, I think I feel maybe slightly different. Like, um, I think that it all coming into the light is is a better thing than it all being in the dark. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I also think that it might be just part of what we have to go through like we all have awkward phases in our life you know you like look at puberty and you're like ooh, what was going on there we're there (laughs) yeah as a culture we're just we're gonna go through weird shit um that that's a and then at some point i think it'll harmonize and equalize i think that's a great way to put it because it, it feels unrefined right yeah and there are definitely like when you're going through complexes you show up unrefined you show up in this kind of like messy unsacred space and it's like that i do think that that part is part of development of consciousness right um but i think part of me that feels into the need for our culture to learn containment and slowness like i put this post on instagram the other day about like can we stop trying to quantum leap through Mm. a fucking transformation process right because like quantum leaping again is playing into this like masculine yes this masculine ideal that like we can't be exactly where we are and it's like i just feel like there needs to be a little bit more stretching out of what is and where we're at and like let's be here in the darkness with these demons and like help them come to consciousness right it's like the most important thing i think we could do ever so anyway well thank you for sharing and uh jamming with me yeah i wish you could see that we are kings of Looking outside of me Now I see this world is unraveling I wonder who could we be Oh, I don't want to see us lose Any more time
to move so move it inside and wake up Give it to me, holy. Cause I was lost in compassion. 